Welcome to the Impact Church podcast. We are a community that doesn't pretend to have all the answers, but aims to have all the hope that you could ever need. We pray that this message is helpful and encourages you no matter what season of life you're in. Enjoy this week's message. But I'm so excited to close this series, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you over the last few weeks. But in some ways, it's also been a punish. Um, I know last week hearing from Brendan Woods, if you joined us for that message, about the idea that we're not just called to you know, love the, the, those who are hurting or the oppressed, but Jesus actually calls us to look at the people who are doing the oppressing and also love them. If you didn't realize already that this Jesus way of life is a radical one, well, there's a great reminder for you. And this series has been a great opportunity to tear back those layers. And I hope that's happened for you as you've explored maybe some um, preconceptions, maybe even misconceptions that you've carried into your own personal relationship with Jesus as we've considered some of the core elements of his character over the last few weeks and exactly what this Jesus way of life is all about and who this person was that created it for us. I hope you've perhaps discovered him in a new way, perhaps rediscovered parts of Jesus that you'd known in the past but maybe had gone by the wayside in recent years. Whatever it is, I hope it's been a blessing to you. It certainly has been for me. And I want to I draw your mind, if you have been part of the series so far, it's, it's all there on YouTube, so we can go back and look and we'll have this on podcast, which is great that we can say that. And if you are joining us, I should say, for the podcast, it's wonderful to have you listening along for the very first Impact Church podcast. But if you can cast your minds back to week one, we talked about the idea that Jesus came with good news. And isn't it true that sometimes when you see people's reaction, maybe you can think of a family member around a Christmas table or a colleague at work, when you bring up something to do with Jesus, something to do with your Christian faith, something to do with the fact that you're going to church on Sunday or group on Tuesday night or a night of prayer and worship, when you bring it up... Some people react as if it's not very good news. (laughs) I don't know if you've ever realized that before, recognized that before in someone. And somewhere along the line, something that they've picked up on about the Christian faith, about Christians, about Jesus, about whatever it is, didn't come across to them as good news. And I set the challenge for us to try and discover exactly what was that good news. Let's tear back the layers and why why would they call it good news? And remembering the fact that if you ask many of us, and, I, and, and the answer is not correct, it's just not all of the answer. When, when you ask perhaps modern 21st century Western Christians, what's the good news of Jesus? Oh, he came to earth, he died for my sins and rose again so that I could get eternal life. And in the meantime, I've got to be a good boy. Uh, that might be a summary that you hear. And that, that's true. It's not that it's not true. But that hadn't happened yet when Jesus was walking around proclaiming the good news. So what was he talking about? And we came across this idea that he was ushering in a kingdom. And not just a physical kingdom, but a kingdom of conscience. And perhaps you're listening along today, maybe you're in the room even, maybe you're listening along later, and you go, yeah, that just sounds faffy. (laughs) That sounds like... Uh, yeah, the kind of thing that you would believe if you liked gongs and rice every meal and you meditate and that kind of thing. A kingdom of conscience, that just sounds a little bit too fluffy for me. No, thank you. But the thing about a kingdom of conscience is it affects everything. You see, ushering in 
A king, kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. If you're a student of history at all, you know that. You, don't, you can watch fictional movies and realize that. But a kingdom of conscience, well, that's something that can go on forever and ever and ever. That's something that can change governments, nations, families, friends, individuals. An upside-down value system that Jesus ushered in, that broke into the world, represented by God in the flesh, Jesus the man walking the earth. And it's worth acknowledging that that's a little bit of an odd idea. (laughs) But that's what we, as Jesus followers, as believers in Jesus, as Christians, believe. That Jesus ushered in a brand new kingdom. But the thing that a kingdom requires to keep going is a king or a queen, right? A kingdom requires that someone is around to sustain it, to lead it, to rule it, to, to you know, tax it, to send out decrees, to, I don't know, behead the odd person if we look throughout history. A kingdom generally requires that kind of thing. And if I pop up on the screen a, a diagram of just one particular royal line that we might know a little bit about in this room, if anyone's a big fan of, uh, of the Queen of England and her family or anything like that. Have you got my slides there? Oh, no slides. Oh, yeah, they're coming. No worries. The thing about a kingdom is that the evidence of its existence, or even more so, its survival, is a king or a queen to rule it. And when we consider this kingdom that Jesus ushered in, perhaps you would look at that and go, where is the the king ruling this brand new kingdom of conscience? You see, if you just read part of the accounts of Jesus' life that we have, you might think the kingdom fell. After all, its leader was hung in the most brutal way from a tree, pierced through hands and feet, run through the side with a sword. That, to me sounds similar to the ending of some kingdoms throughout history. But yet, millennia later, we are still here gathering on a Sunday in the name of Jesus and ultimately the kingdom that he ushered in. But a kingdom requires a king to sustain it. So exactly what is it that we can look to as evidence for the sustaining of this Kingdom, And obviously, I don't, uh, maybe you have, maybe you have had an experience where you felt like you've met Jesus in the flesh, but he's, he's, he's not just walking around with a crown <laughs> like a typical king might. So straight away, we've got to work our minds a little bit more. And I want to be frank right off the front here before I dive in to what it is I want to explore together today to conclude this series, The Jesus I Never Knew. Maybe you've been down this light of thought before. I want to believe, maybe in your prayer life it sounded something like this before. Jesus, I, I, I so want to believe. I know that you are good. I've, I've, I've tried to follow your command. I've tried. But if you could just show me something. I don't know if your prayer life has ever sounded like that. If you could just make this work. If you could just give me some, some sign that I could hold on to. That what it is I've put my faith in is, is, is in fact, this kingdom is still going. I don't know if you've ever had a, a moment of, of, or even a crisis, perhaps, of faith before where you've called out to God, can you just show me something? Maybe listening along today and you're like, I'm not there. 
And part of the reason I'm not there is because I've seen nothing, I've experienced nothing that means that I would buy in. I need to see something to show me that this kingdom, that all these uppity Christians who happy clappy on a Sunday are always on about, if, does that actually, I need something to show me that that actually, let's be real, right? I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that in your prayer life, in your personal faith walk with Jesus, or perhaps you're still waiting for that before you dive into this. And whatever it is that's caused you to join, to listen to this today, I want to encourage you that you're never closer than when you're willing to ask the question. You see, we don't want to be a community that just pretends to have it all figured out. We don't want to just shove aside questions that are difficult or don't seem to match with our worldview. We want to do life together in a way that says, no, 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 we do believe in a God who's still reigning and who has an answer for your question and we want to find it together. So if you've had moments like that before, don't let that make you shy away. Don't let that make you shy away from exploring the life of Jesus, exploring the way of life that he has given us, of being a part of a faith community. You are never closer to God, perhaps, than when you are asking questions so that you may know him better. But you're a pastor. You can't say, far be it from me that I would ever think I know Jesus so well that I would stop asking questions. That is, that is not the kind of faith that I, I, I would be lying if I said I had every single question answered. So it goes without saying that there needs to be something that we can grasp onto to believe so that we know that we're not just grasping at nothing. We, we expect that Jesus, if he was the king of this so-called kingdom of conscience, would have had a plan, a lineage planned of some Kind. And maybe it's a little bit different, we hope, than the kings and queens that we read about in history, the beheadings, the seventh and eighth and ninth wives and husbands, the, I don't know, seceding from the royal family in order to go live in America and be in Hollywood. Hopefully it's a little bit of a cleaner lineage than something like that that Jesus had in mind. Good troubleshooting, Chris. Back to Microsoft PowerPoint. That's great thinking. <laughs> but to understand it, to understand the lineage the, the succession plan, if you like, that Jesus, that God ultimately had in mind for us when he ushered in this new kingdom, we have to go right back to the beginning of the story. And I'll put it out there just before we jump into it. This is perhaps one of the strangest parts of the Christian faith. <laughs> because if you're the kind of person who needs that physical evidence, perhaps, really to buy into something, this is going to require a stretch of your imagination. And maybe you've had experience, I don't know, maybe in this room, you've had experiences before where Christians have, I don't know, done things like lay hands on you, or you've walked through a tunnel of people speaking in some sort of, like, I don't know if that's a language, or just guttural gurgling, I don't know. I don't know what experiences you've had when it comes to this thing that we call the Holy Spirit before. But this morning, I want to invite you to consider it. And let's just take the text. Let's just take the text for what it is. And let's consider this succession plan that Jesus had in place for us. And whatever filters, whatever experiences you've had, I would just invite you to try and set those aside with me one more time in this series. It's been challenging again and again. And consider it. And I'll warn you, it's as strange as, it's as, strange as believing something along the lines of, I don't know, dead people coming back to life. Oh, hang on. <laughs> we kind of believe that too, but let's dive in. 
I mentioned we have to go right back to the beginning. Um, Chris, thank you for trying to get that working, mate. Luckily, I have all the scriptures here. So I'll read them out. Please follow along if you have your Bible, either on your smartphone or in physical copy if you like. And maybe the slides will join us a little bit later on. But right back at the beginning in Genesis, I mean it, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, we have these words. And the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And hint, this is where we're going today. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Long before we were gathering in buildings on a Sunday at 10 a.m. <laughs> right at the beginning of the Christian narrative that we have to understand them right at the beginning. Genesis 1 verse 2, I should say just after the beginning. I suppose Genesis 1 1 would be the beginning. We have this spirit of God hovering over chaos, over an unformed earth. And that word, I want to dive in and just get a little bit nerdy for a second. The Hebrew word, and this is really not a COVID-friendly word, so I'll stand right back here. The word spirit that we see there is ruach. So you have to clear your throat when you finish it. Ruach, ruach. And we see this word pop up multiple times right throughout the Old Testament. And it means, it's an incredible thing. It means a whole bunch of different things. The same word, ruach, is for wind as it is for breath. You see, when, when we believe that God breathed into man and gave him the breath, ruach, God breathed in his ruach. And gave him life. We believe that it's the energy. It's the energy behind all things. We really struggle with our, you know, our English that kind of one word means one thing usually to grasp a, a Hebrew word like that that has like so many dimensions. But that's the word we're dealing with here. I just wanted to nerd out on that for a second. And again, right throughout the Old Testament, some of the strangest stories have this ruach, this ruach of God, this spirit of God turning up again and again and again. And it leads to some really strange things. <laughs> we see early on a, a, a man called Joseph filled with the ruach of God. And all of a sudden he has the ability to interpret dreams. We see someone called Samson who was altogether not a very nice man, if you've read the story. Somehow we've polished it enough to give it to our kids in Sunday school. But if you've ever read the story in full, this guy was, to be frank, a sex addict. This guy was crazy. And this guy, Samson, was filled with the ruach of God in order to enact what it seemed was God's will for that time for the people of Israel. And again and again throughout the Old Testament, in good and not so good people, we have this ruach that we see right at the beginning over the waters, turning up and enacting God's will in really weird <laughs> <laughs> and wonderful ways. And then we get to Jesus. We get to Jesus and right at the beginning of his ministry in Matthew 3.16, it says this, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, here it comes, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God. That same Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on him. For Jesus himself, for God in flesh, before he began his public ministry, it seemed that this 
Spirit, the same one we see right throughout the biblical name, turn up, fill him, and equip him for what was to come. So what bearing does that have for us? Where am I going with this? Well, I just like nerding out on history. I hope you enjoyed that. But it gives us a picture of exactly what we're dealing with here when we see this weird word, spirit, ruach, turn up. And there's all sorts of things that get talked about, but it's Halloween this weekend. There's all sorts of things that get thrown around with spirits. But right throughout the biblical Christian narrative, we see the spirit of God, the thing that gives life, the thing that fills people to do incredible things, the thing that gave Jesus the power to do what he needed to do. And you know what? The same spirit is referenced when we see Jesus rise again. His disciples described that it was the Ruach of God, the spirit of God that raised him from the dead. We're dealing with something really incredible here. So how is that relevant to us? Well, remember the tension that I set out before us right at the beginning. If there's a kingdom, we started the series with this idea of a kingdom of conscience arriving. If a kingdom truly is going to stand throughout the ages, it needs a king. It needs a king or a queen, something to sustain it, to show us that that kingdom is still progressing. And in John chapter 16, verse 7, a gospel attributed to one of Jesus' closest disciples by many of the scholars that we have, he describes a scene just before Jesus' death like this. In number 16, verse 7, and these are the words of Jesus that John recorded. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. For unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So if, like me, you've had moments of, can you just show me something, God, so I can really, you know, just know that this is actually happening? It seemed Jesus would know that we would be that fickle. (laughs) It seemed he had a plan for this, right? from when he walked the earth himself. And and it seems that he had a plan that meant something better than the bodily presence of God was going to come. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. It is for your good that I am going. No, Jesus, I'd rather you stay. (laughs) I'm sure that's what the disciples were saying after watching him multiply fish and loaves and heal people. But here he is himself saying, it's better for you that I go, so that whatever this advocate that I'm talking about can come. But what advocate, and to whom is it coming, and for what purpose? Well, a few chapters later in John chapter 20, verses 21 and 22, we've had Jesus' death and resurrection, his return, and he appears to his disciples and he says this, so Jesus said to them again, peace be to you, just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Jesus coming back and saying, I have a mission for you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, breathed. Remember Ruach? He breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And here we see this advocate arrive. And that's a nice gentle arrival of the Holy Spirit. (laughs) We see Jesus promise it. Just by the way, the previous verse, Jesus called his own death and then said he would come back and give... Anyways, anyone who can do that is worth taking seriously, I think. But we see him return and give them this advocate. And it's for the disciples. And he sends them on a mission. 
But it wasn't just for them. Because we have, fortunately, the next part of the story recorded in the book of Acts. We call it Acts, Acts of the Apostle. What did Jesus' disciples get up to afterwards? And in chapter 2, verse 1, I want to read a few verses. And just a heads up, I said it was one of the weirdest parts of the Christian faith. And if you didn't believe me, well, I'm just about to convince you. From verse 1 it says, When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And I'll read on in verse 3. And tongues that looked like fire appeared to them, distributing themselves. Tongues that looked like fire. I don't know, you can draw that at home later. And a tongue rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. A kingdom requires a succession plan, a lineage, someone to carry it on. And Jesus said, it's better that I go so I can send you this advocate, this Holy Spirit. We see it gently. We see Jesus peacefully kind of blow, not very COVID-friendly, but very gentle, blow onto his disciples and they receive the Holy Spirit. And then just a little bit later in the timeline, we have his disciples receiving this Holy Spirit like fire. (laughs) And all I wanted to say about that this morning, other than please go and study it for yourself, it's fascinating stuff, is that the Holy Spirit can turn up just about however he wants to. Just about however he wants to. So I don't know for you this morning, maybe, maybe I'm talking to you as a Jesus follower and this concept of Holy Spirit has been confusing to you. Maybe you haven't had a particular experience that you thought was required in order to be filled with this Holy Spirit. Maybe you've heard of weird and wonderful things that others have told you about that they've experienced and I kind of haven't had that, so I don't know if this Holy Spirit's actually for me. Well, Jesus just said, if you love me and obey me, I will send you my Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can turn up in just about any way he wants. Just in these few lines of story, we see that. So never doubt for a moment that if you believe, love, and obey Jesus, that he won't send you a helper. And we better be ready. We better be ready for some spring cleaning. We better be ready for things to turn up that we might be trying to make sense of for years to come. But particularly in my experience and in many experiences of people that I look up to, it's often the quiet work behind the scenes that the Spirit's doing, just churning away things in our life, asking us questions, guiding us through decisions. Jesus said, it is better that I go so that I can send you this helper. Jesus invited all who love him and obey him to experience relationship with him. He didn't leave us just to believe it without evidence, this kingdom of conscience continued with the advocate, with the helper. You see, as much as God was present on the earth in a specific time and place in the person of Jesus, God is now present everywhere at all times in the person of the Holy Spirit a lineage plan, a succession plan like no other. 
The Apostle Paul, one of the heroes of the Christian faith who spread this message like just about no one else, wrote it this way in Ephesians chapter 1, starting from verse 13. In him being Jesus, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel, the good news, gospel, good news of your salvation, this new kingdom arriving, having also believed this good news, have been sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of the promise. This Holy Spirit given to us. And it goes on. I don't have it on the screen. It goes on and says, who is a first installment of our inheritance? Just a shadow of things to come. But what a wonderful shadow it is. You see, the kingdom arrived with Jesus and its continuation towards fulfillment is sealed by the present of this Holy Spirit. The kingdom has lineage. It's tempting to think that maybe Jesus was ushering in a kingdom without plan for its succession when you read and perhaps wonder, Jesus, where are you in this? Where are you in my situation? And it's clear that it would be hard to believe in the possibility of a kingdom of conscience if nothing was given to seal it for us. And maybe you're not totally comfortable with this idea of a Holy Spirit yet, if you're listening along today. Maybe you have had a weird or wonderful experience. Maybe it's just been a quiet thing in the back of your life, always guiding you, helping you discern, helping you make sense of situations, whatever it's looked like for you. The answer we're given when we look at the text, is that Jesus did have a succession plan and it was better than those we see in pop culture magazines about kings and queens these days or in the history books. It was better than the bodily presence of God himself. It also deals with the idea of pie-in-the-sky Christianity. Maybe you've met Christians before. I've, I've certainly heard this before. You're just waiting for heaven. You don't, you're giving up on life now. Well, here's the thing. Jesus came to them and he said, I'm sending you now. And I'm sending you with my spirit. You see, I could say it this way. Jesus didn't just leave us on mission. Jesus, in fact, leads us on mission through the power of his spirit. The same spirit we see from the beginning, right from the beginning of time, enacting God's will now we know as Jesus' Spirit, as the Holy Spirit, now turns up in our lives to continue the commencement of this kingdom, of transformation of consciousness, of morality in the world and in the people who receive him. And when a kingdom continues, what it needs is heralds, those that will carry that kingdom right throughout the earth. And Jesus didn't just leave us with that mission, he filled us for that mission, leading us on that mission with his Holy Spirit through the gifts and the fruits that it brings in our lives. And if you are someone who does believe that this kingdom exists and you've experienced it and perhaps been filled with the Holy Spirit yourself, people are going to see Jesus perhaps first in the transformation it brings in you through relationship with the Holy Spirit long before they can see the person of Jesus for themselves. Never doubt for a moment the powerful work that the Holy Spirit could be doing inside of you. And as I said, if you're someone who's not comfortable with that just yet, that's okay. It's one of the strangest parts of our faith. But don't for a second 
think that Jesus was a king who brought in a kingdom without a plan to continue it. Here we have evidence that was just not the case. I want us to consider these questions as I finish up. Has the good news, and these are, these are longer today, so I hope, I hope you're ready. <laughs> Has the good news of Jesus ever just appeared like a purely historical event to you? And how does Jesus' promise and presence of the Holy Spirit change that? What would it mean if you took Jesus at his word, that he sent someone to continue his kingdom, the Holy Spirit, Jesus in each of us? If you are a Jesus follower, have you ever doubted the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your own life because you didn't have a particular experience? Consider the smattering of stories that we looked at today. The Holy Spirit can turn up in many ways. Jesus said, if you love and obey me, I will send him to you. I would encourage you not to have that doubt. And finally, do you allow the Holy Spirit, the the Holy Spirit, clearly wrote that one late at night. Do you allow the Holy Spirit to outwork gifts and fruits in your life to lead others towards Jesus. And maybe this has just been a nice idea for you in the past. I would encourage you to consider it as more than just an idea this week. How could you take this idea that there is an indwelling presence of Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit in your life? How could you take that more seriously in order to let those gifts and fruits do the work in you to conform you to the citizenship of this kingdom of consciousness that we've been talking about? and also to show it to others. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'd love to pray as I close. Lord, I thank you that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to usher in a kingdom of conscience, a kingdom that would not just last a century, not just last for the length of a TV show series, wouldn't, wouldn't last for any finite amount of time in the way that we can understand it, Lord. But you ushered in a kingdom with a plan to continue it for eternity. Lord, I pray for those who are following you, who have said yes to following your way of living, to living as a part of your kingdom here and now on earth through to completion in eternity. I pray that this morning you would fill them afresh with the knowledge of the presence of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I cast away any doubt. In Jesus' name, I pray that you would fill us with the Spirit in such a way that we would go into our week believing that you are working in us to transform us and to transform the world around us through us. And Lord, for those wrestling, Jesus, with this idea that maybe, just maybe, there is an invisible kingdom like this story of Jesus seems to think there is. Lord, I just pray this morning for the questions that they ask. I pray that questions wouldn't be a deterrent, but an avenue towards you, Lord. That they would find people they could wrestle those questions through with. And Lord, that your Holy Spirit even would be working in their lives, helping them to come to grips with the answers to those questions. Thank you, Jesus, that you do fill each and every one of us. And I ask you to do that afresh again this morning. In Jesus' mighty name we say, Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for this week's message. We hope it was helpful to you and practical for your life. Ultimately, we pray that this inspired you to consider taking a next step in your relationship with Jesus, whatever that may look like for you. If that's something you would like to do, we would encourage you to get in touch with us via the details in the podcast description. 
Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.